Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Hello, and welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Matt, and I'm with Carlos. Hello. Uh, Avery. Hi, from the home of the best team in the Pac-12. And Greg. What's up? Uh, Who cannot talk right now, because he was screaming at the ASU-Utah game, as always. You can follow us at Twitter, or follow us on Twitter, and Instagram at No Truck Spot, No Truck Stops Pod. (laughs) Or send us an Drunk email start. with your questions <laughs> at no truck stops podcast at gmail.com. I'm the one that can't talk, apparently. It's fine. Um, quick programming note we will have our first ever basketball podcast this week, uh, which means this football, these football podcasts will be a tiny bit shorter, but that's okay. Um, our first episode is us giving six reasons for Pac 12 football fans to care about Pac 12 basketball this season. Uh, since I am not a Pac 12 basketball basketball fan uh these three dorks are going to try to convince me to care this year we're still going to continue the bit of three idiots and a mat um so you'll see that on our on your feeds on tuesday um as for football we have a lot to get to today but first let's start with utah beating arizona state in salt lake city 35 to 20 21 after trailing the sun devils 21 to 7 at the half what were your impressions of this game carlos yeah, watching this game, Arizona State looked flat out like the better team for one half, <laughs> and then the second half happened, <laughs> um, and Utah completely rolled Arizona State. Um, Arizona State got off to a hot start. They Their offense looked like it was getting whatever it wanted. Um, it looked like the running game for Arizona State was going to do what it had, had done to literally everyone else before this game. Jaden Daniels looked really sharp early on. Um, and defensively, Arizona State was storming everywhere. Uh, Utah was struggling to move the ball. That first drive actually for Utah was really, really good. And uh, it was a little scary because that entire first drive was uh, calling Stanford-type fades for Cam Rising, and he was nailing them. Uh, and then and then things sort of petered out. And as one would expect, throwing fades is not a sustainable way of doing offense, except for Stanford, apparently. Um, and then when the second half hit... Uh, I the biggest change that I saw after, you know, Utah scored 28 unanswered to finish the game to beat ASU 35 to 21 after ASU led 21-7 at the half. Um the biggest change I saw was that Utah was running the ball. Um I I felt like they were leaning on the pass game uh early on and and they were really they were really excited about Cam Rising being good and just decided to sort of lean on him. Uh, I went back and looked at this on the in the first half um, only nine of Utah's first 20 plays of the game came on the ground. To open the second half, Utah ran the ball 14 of its first 20 offensive plays. So the big adjustment that I saw was Utah just deciding to run the ball um, and to let Tavion Thomas, I think, work. Um, I thought he looked really good in the second half. And it opened things up for Cam Rising. I think I've been getting a lot of heat on Twitter for saying, like, 
yeah, Cam Rising looked better because they had they made him do less uh, and they asked him to do less. I don't think this is a hot take. The run game opened things up for him and sort of allowed him to to sort of make plays. So uh, this is a really impressive win for Utah. Um, I we we were sort of talking about a few weeks ago which team was going to figure its shit out, and Utah looks like it's figuring its shit out right now. Um, right now it looks, I mean, Arizona state was the best team in the conference coming into this game. Uh, and Utah just manhandled them in the second half, uh, just completely took over the game. Arizona state had nothing going on. It was, um, it was embarrassing for Arizona state, um, on the Arizona state side, super humiliating to get up 21, seven and to completely peter out the way they did. Jaden Daniels got nothing going. Rashad white was struggling to get yards. Their defense had absolutely nothing, um, no answers for what Utah was doing. Their run game, uh, Cam Rising's legs, all of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, Utah looks scary right now. Yeah, so full disclosure, I only watched the second half of this game. That was the only half of football that I watched this weekend. I got a weekend full of playoff baseball and uh, trauma with at dinner with the parents. Um I'm not sure if it was more or less trauma than watching Pac-12 football, but it trauma nonetheless. Um, so my my initial bias of this is that Utah absolutely kicked all sorts of ass. Um, I did go back and and tried to watch as find as many play cut ups of the first half and everything to try to rewatch this thing. Um, it's funny hearing, especially Carlos, hearing you say that like it looked like Arizona State was so clearly the better team. Because almost every number besides turnovers really says that this was super evenly matched in the first half. Um, Arizona State never was really separating itself on any sort of an EPA or anything. Obviously, the score says 21-7, to and that certainly means a lot. But um, based off of everything that I've seen, it seemed like it was fairly even and fairly, fairly that the Utah offense obviously had to had a couple of drives stall out, but otherwise was, was moving the ball really well. Um, goodness gracious, this second half though, like what this looked so much like the early concerns that we saw out of Arizona state. They could not get a stop, obviously 28 unanswered, didn't get a single stop in the second half. Um, those penalty issues that we talked about me pushing back on the whole, you know, the discipline issues for Arizona state were fixed. In fact, not not fixed at all. Um, I think in total, what they had like 14 penalties, I think 115 um, yards. Yeah, that's, that's not going to do it. Um, in terms of EPA expected points added, uh, negative 8.85, like that's a significant, significant number. And they were backbreakers too. They were on a Jaden Daniels 30 yard run. They were on a third down. Um, it was, it was pretty, pretty crazy to see. Um, even, I mean, even a, a a dumb penalty like even the penalties like um Britton Covey flexing and getting a a stupid taunting penalty even that seemed to work out well for Utah because it backed them up into like a spatial area where they could actually actually run their offense instead of be stuck trying to to run up the gut so i i mean Utah looked super super good I, Arizona State looked every single war every single concern that we've had about them really showed up in this game from from what i was seeing I mean, I've been saying for weeks, every time somebody asks if Utah's good or not, that I genuinely have no idea. And now I know that Utah is good. I think it's very clear, like from this game and the USC game, obviously USC is terrible at 
defense and offense right now. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. But I think Utah clearly after this game looks like they're leading the Pac-12 South and they are leading the Pac-12 South because they don't have any conference losses. Um, And this game just told us a lot. They actually have an offense, which is just absolutely shocking to me. But I think this tells us another thing that Herm Edwards should never be compared to Kyle Whittingham ever again. Utah made those halftime adjustments and came out and just completely demolished ASU. They threw ASU around like ASU was wazoo. Like that's how they should have looked against wazoo. It was insane. Like ASU was up two touchdowns at halftime. They have no reason that they should have shouldn't have carried that throughout the game. And I think a lot of that just comes down to coaching because ASU is the more talented team out of the two of them. And so never compare Kyle Whittingham and co to whatever the hell Herm Edwards is doing in Tempe because it's just upsetting to watch them waste Jaden Daniels and those incredible running backs like this because they seriously, I still think Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback in the conference. I still think ASU has the best running backs in the conference. Like, why why are you letting a team score 28 unanswered points? It's just really hard to watch. And I think right now it's pretty clear that Utah's in whatever, I mean, it's impossible to decide who the best in the Pac-12 is, like, tier-wise. I feel like there isn't an elite tier, but whatever the top tier is, Utah is in it now, which is very nice to actually be able to decide if this team is bad or good. Yeah, uh, so... I don't know if my voice is an indication. It's a lot better than it was this morning. But uh, as a Utah fan, I very much enjoyed that game. We say it after every game, it feels like, with Utah. Devin Lloyd is incredible. He was so good. He was everywhere uh, in that game. Uh, And Cam Rising, like, I know, Carlos, with what you were saying, I sort of agree with you. We did lean on the run a lot more in the second half but at the same time like 15 passes is not like a nothing amount in a half you know it's not like not like utah old where they'd throw 20 in a game you know like he went 13 of 15 in the second half which i think is very i thought he was very impressive uh and like the thing that most impressed me from utah though is uh the offensive line was really good for the second week in a row especially in pass protection uh, which is, you know, it's shocking. Like, coming into the year, preseason, I think all of us agreed that uh, Utah would go pretty much as far as their offensive line took them. Uh, if the offensive line was good, they had a shot at winning the conference. If the offensive line was bad, they'd finish third or fourth in the South. Uh, and if the offensive line is what it has been the last two weeks, Utah absolutely has a great shot at winning the conference. Uh I think the coaching disparity, as Avery said, was really big in the game. In the first half, ASU had all the answers for everything. Everything Utah did, I felt like ASU just did better. And uh, Matt, you said the numbers made it look like it was even, which honestly surprises me because watching that game, it like Carlos tweeted it a lot of times. Uh, <laughs> it, it felt like Utah was hanging on for their lives, like. It really felt like at any point ASU was just going to break free. There were so many times so it was just like Utah needs to stop desperately here because they can't do anything. 
Like, they just can't stop ASU, and then they leave a guy open for a first down. But uh, in the second half, uh, it they just locked up, and ASU stopped having answers, and the one time they drove the ball, they had to kick a field goal, and uh, they can't kick field goals, so... <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Didn't go well. Uh, can we talk for a second, though, about Herm's timeout on the extra point? What in God's name was he thinking? <laughs> had, to, had to set up the 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 one point play. No, had no, he's he's fighting for who's the worst at time management in the conference with Mario Cristobal <laughs> and David Shaw. Right Mario now, and like, it will be me. He's just like <laughs> Mario never called the timeout on an extra point, uh, but like uh, Chris Cartman, the uh, ASU twenty four seven reporter, said that uh, he was worried about twelve men on the field which makes me laugh so, so much because he's solving his discipline issues, which end up, like, who cares about a penalty on an extra point? It doesn't matter at all, but it's hilarious that it's a problem that you have, 12 men on an extra point. What? The people that are and in he, on the extra point should know who they are. Exactly. Like, yeah, week seven personnel issues is a problem. A complete disaster from a coaching standpoint. So funny. And it was like, at that point, I felt like Utah was going to win just because Herm doing that was so very Herm and so very funny. Yeah. It was just, it was a great game. It really was. I think the whole like <laughs> idea of Utah hanging on by a thread in the first half is kind of what happens with teams with less talent. Like, I think that's kind of naturally how that goes is it seems like they have to put everything into getting a stop or everything into getting a first down and Utah makes up a lot of its talent issues with good coaching. And I think that's why the second half happened the way that it did is they figured out their coaching shit and they just blatantly out coached ASU. Like it was ridiculous, but that first ASU half, looked oh my a lot gosh. faster. Yeah. That first half, it felt like Utah couldn't get a stop. It felt like right when they, the defense was like getting momentum the offense would like make this crazy first down play and nobody could tackle so many missed Mm -hmm. tackles by Utah, but it was very cleaned up in the second half. And I think that's just like very characteristic of how Utah is like Utah is a second half team. Utah makes their adjustments at halftime to be better. So I I like that we're kind of seeing classic Utah besides the whole relying on the pass thing. I'm still super confused about that. Utah threw the ball like 33 times I that's not Utah that's Stanford I loved it I loved it <laughs> I yeah, mean this... I think it was I think it was a bit of excitement for Cam, I mean he, and, he, and Cam Rising looked good so I I totally get why they did that I will say about Arizona State's play calling really quick um Arizona State's play calling got really vanilla in the second half like it went from creative stuff and throwing on first downs and Rod Gilmore actually brought this up um and if you look back at some of the mm, plays go with the don't, Rod Gilmore don't encourage Rod yeah, Gilmore yeah 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 not yeah can't can't really encourage this is gonna him. be great I was, I was shocked um Arizona State's <laughs> offense really did revert to revert to run run pass punt in the second half um in every single one of their let me just double check this because I saw in three in two of their three touchdown drives they um pa- they were relying on Jaden Daniels and passing on early downs in those first th- uh they only had four possessions um 
and two of them were pumps. Two super crucial ones, by the way. One when they were up 21-14 and Utah had just scored, and the other when Utah had scored to go up 28-21. In both of those, they ran twice. Um, Jaden Daniels got an incomplete pass on third down, and then they punted. Um, it was very, it got very predictable, predictable from Arizona state. And, um, I know that those were just super short possessions in a small sample size, but I do think like Arizona state play calling got really conservative as it always does in the second half this year. But, but it's not even about like it being a short, um, a short, uh, sample size and a short possession. There was less possessions, not being able to get a stop out of Utah. It meant that they only got. I mean, they got a fourth at the end of the game, but at that point, the game's over. They really only got three true possessions, and I definitely hear what you're saying where it's run, run, pass. Bear in mind, so it it, it is very important that we say, Carlos, I heard you say that Jaden Daniels couldn't get anything going. Jaden Daniels was great in this game. He got absolutely fucked by drops. There were terrible oh, yes. drops in this oh, game, yes. and especially in that second half, you're in third and threes, wide receivers wide open. There's two of them specifically that I can think of that instead of sustaining a drive on a very easy pitch and catch, a drop is now is now killing this drive and now they're punting away. Um, even on those touchdown drives like that you're talking about, though, Carlos, uh, to open the game, they open with a pass, but then you're run, run, pass. Like they the second touchdown drive, you open that drive with run, run, pass. Like it's really I, I do think that, yes, it got vanilla, but it's so hard to not be vanilla and to not like sit here and say that it's it's that you need to get into your bag when you're not even executing the easy shit that should be happening and that should be allowing you for to say okay like we've set up this drive we've set up with a run run pass now we get to start being creative as we continue on this drive and can put six seven eight nine plays together um that just wasn't happening in the second half it was i mean obviously just a clinic from Utah's offense, but it, it really reflected in that way for ASC's offense. I think one of the reasons their play calling got uh, more vanilla, because I do think uh, Zach Hill, I hope I'm not just totally forgetting his name. Uh, That's his name, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I think he's a really good offensive coordinator, and I think one of the reasons he had to get more conservative in the second half was because the offensive line for Arizona State was not doing nearly as good of a job in the second half as it was in the first half. Utah was getting home a lot more in the second half, it felt like, and a lot of that was just because they chose to blitz more. But uh, it felt like he couldn't trust them to give Daniels enough time, especially when your receivers are making drops like that. You've got to lean on the run game more, and it just wasn't working. And I do think he still should have passed more than he did in the second half, but I don't think... I don't think it would have been easy either way. Like, even if they had uh, tried to be more aggressive offensively, it might not have worked. Let's move on to UCLA, Washington, where the Bears beat the Huskies in Seattle 24-17 off yet another 200-yard rushing performance from UCLA. My question to you all, though, were you impressed with UCLA, or and how do we feel about them going forward? Um, Avery, what do you got? So I didn't get to ver- watch very much of this game. I caught clips of it. Um, UCLA has an awesome rushing offense, but I think Washington has one of the worst in the conference. So I think I feel very meh about both of these teams. 
Um, I think UCLA still is in competition for the second or third spot in the South. We'll see how that pans out. But I don't think Washington's good this year. I don't think their rushing defense is good. Um, But this might be the best UCLA season in a few years. I don't think that's saying very much, though. It's kind of most of my thoughts there. As the only person who picked UCLA to win that game, very very proud of my boys my Bruins uh but yeah I mean this game this feels like how it should have played out uh with UCLA's rush offense being dominant over a a Washington run defense that isn't that good and uh man I just like how did John Donovan and Dylan Morris manage to disappoint every single week like not being able to light up uh UCLA's DBs is so pathetic. Everyone can light up UCLA's DBs. And uh, I'm just and so Dylan just, Morris I can't had imagine two interceptions against these like. defensive back I know. trash cans. Like, what on earth is going on over there? It's just I feel like, like this was the game to start Sam Hayward if you were going to play him. Yeah, yeah, you can't now. UCLA is perfect. You can't because, now, though. Yeah. Oh, my God. Washington fans must be in hell right now. I, to be fair, I only picked Washington because I was forced to against my will. Okay. Um, okay. Seems you're getting coerced <laughs> to a lot of your picks as yeah. of late. Um, Strong, independent woman, my ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not. Um, I, y'all, I don't. I am so confused by this UCLA team. This, you look over every number. Even watch the highlights. How in the hell was this a game? Um, DCR had one of his best games of the season, 87.5 on QBR, 21 of 26, super efficient. Uh, They were running the ball whenever they wanted, getting whatever they wanted. And even from a defensive standpoint, yeah, like Morris wasn't able to get really anything going, and Washington has no run game to speak of, regardless of whether or not UCLA wanted to let them run or not. Like, I, I, Every single number that I'm looking at and that I see suggests that this should have been an absolute blowout. This should have been a 20-point game. Like, I just, I, I, I really think that, that there's some concerns, and I don't even know if it's coaching or if it's just weird, like, not finishing the plays. I, hopefully, Carlos, you watch this a lot closer than me, but I, I, I don't understand how this wasn't a blowout looking at every number and looking at every highlight of this ballgame. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think a lot of it had to do with what was going on, on on third downs, and in particular the passing downs. When UCLA got stuck with some, you know, third and mediums, third and longs, and um, Washington may have a struggling run defense. Although I think there's some I have some quiz with that claim, but uh, they may have a struggling run defense. But we know that they have a really good secondary, and I thought Washington's secondary looked good as they always do. Um, and I thought that they were doing a lot of stuff to disrupt what Dorian Thompson Robinson had to do on those passing downs. In fact, I'm looking at the, uh, you know, uh, game on which is, um, some advanced box scores that Matt showed me on passing downs. Uh, UCLA had a 27% success rate, meaning on those passing downs when they needed to get a certain number of yardage, only 27% of the time they were able to do so. Um, and that was problematic, I think. Uh, that really ruined what UCLA was doing offensively. And 
Uh, overall, it looked like UCLA was getting as much as it wanted. They actually went up 17-3 to in this game um, and let Washington come back. So I don't know. I mean, this game was really hard for me to take anything away from because I uh, we know Washington is not particularly good, but they're also always competitive. Um, I think they will compete with just about everyone who's on their schedule. They're talented. Uh, they are not well coached but they are mostly disciplined, especially on defense. So, you know, and I think a lot of Washington's issues really are just on offense. Um, So that's what I felt about UCLA. UCLA really should have, I'm not sure, you know, we often have like post-game win expectancies, but I really want to know what like the post-game like (laughs) expected win margin should be. I'm not sure if that's in like any of these advanced box scores. Um, It should have been, it should have been a much bigger win. To Avery's point um, and to Greg's point about Washington's passing game and UCLA secondary, I kind of came into this wondering, you know, we know Dylan Morris has been struggling um, this year. We know that Washington's pass game has been brutal. Um, We also know UCLA secondary has been brutal um, and has also been struggling and um, has a range of issues that they don't have, particularly personnel-wise. I think personnel-wise, UCLA is just not particularly talented in the secondary. And so I kind of came into this game wondering like, hmm, is Dylan Morris going to get like better? You know, it's just going to be one of those games where you're like, oh, oh shit, Dylan Morris is going to have himself a game. Um, and he didn't. And so I think, uh, I'm not sure how much of that was UCLA's secondary play. I think a lot of that was actually uh, UCLA's secondary getting lucky. <laughs> um, Washington's receivers were burning uh, those defensive backs pretty pretty regularly um there's a couple of uh pass interference calls that frankly ucla's defensive backs committed on purpose because they did get beat um and would they would rather take the 15 yards than i think the, the one happened in the second quarter i think um when cam the ucla's defensive back cam johnson got beat and he just flat out committed a, a defensive pass interference to prevent a touchdown which was a smart play but also shows you just where it was he was actually getting picked on a lot this game so they did all right um they did as much as frankly what they're capable of um but they were still getting burned so i think there's still questions about this ucla secondary washington's pass game is worse um dylan morris needed to hit some of those throws and did not at the same time i'm not sure that there are many quarterbacks who are going to be able to make ucla pay um like that i think maybe it's cam rising but next week ucla plays um oregon and anthony brown is a worse downfield thrower than dylan morris is um but he has better receivers he does have better receivers but like anthony brown's not throwing more than seven yards downfield (laughs) it's true Uh, (laughs) so we'll just give it to Travis die yeah so we'll see uh i think i was encouraged i think by this ucla i think you past ucla teams may have had nothing to play for they looked awful against arizona um in arizona and came out here looking much better to start stagnated um but the thing that was also impressive was ucla needed to you know had the ball up 24 17 um and just drained the clock ran the ball ran it down washington's throat and kept going um, and so that was also encouraging. So I don't know, hard to take much from this game next week. will tell us a lot, but that's my, that's my take on this game. Yes. I mean, obviously like USC had, had was on a bye this week, but like, who are you more disappointed into this point right now? Like USC or 
or Washington. The thing with USC, though, is they fired their coach. So it's like all the shit they do, you can blame it on having an interim head coach. Which no. I guess you can't really because of talent, but still. Like you but have the second to. they fired, you're, you're, I think you're right. I think the second they fired Clay Helton, they were saying, this season, like, doesn't matter. just have fun. It doesn't matter. Just have fun. Drake London masterclass. Literally just watch Drake London. Just like shut the fuck up and watch Drake London. That's what this season became, which is not a bad way to engage football. Like I wish UCLA had a Drake London be like, I don't care. Like is Drake London (laughs) going to get 200 fucking yards? Let's see it. Like that would be fun. Um, But it's Washington. I mean, how can it not be Washington? Yeah, it's got to be Washington. How can you not – um take what chris peterson has done and carry on that momentum not just carry it like he cratered it jimmy lake and john donovan have cratered the momentum this is far worse than anything that chris peterson chris peterson has not had great offenses at washington but jimmy lake has made this unbelievably worse what were you gonna say greg i was just gonna say with usc the possibility was always there that the wheels would fall off we didn't think they'd be this bad but we could see them being bad Nobody in the world saw Washington being even bad, you know? Like, maybe some deluded Oregon fans who I guess were right. But, like, uh, (laughs) I feel like everyone expected at least competence from Washington, and they are not competent. They shouldn't have hired a guy within their program. That was their mistake. I agree with that completely. Yeah, specifically with the way that it was trending. All right. Well, let's move on to the old Friday night. Um, Not quite a sickos game, but man, was it boring. Uh, We had Oregon escaping with a win against Cal, also 24-17. Cal gained 409 yards and had a chance to tie the game late, but came up just short thanks to the efforts of Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, Were you more impressed with Cal or more disappointed with Oregon in this game, Carlos? I mean, I think we're all going to say we're disappointed with Oregon. Um... Cal's offense has, I think one of the misconceptions about Cal this year is that they've had a dog shit offense all year. And I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think it's like just vacillated wildly between what the fuck are they doing? And Hey, this is like fine. Um, and I think today was this, not today, this game, uh, against Oregon was more of, it's fine. Like this offense is working. Um, I thought they were calling some really nice plays. I thought that, uh, Christopher Brooks, the running back for Cal, looked really good. I thought Chase Garbers had a couple of incredible plays. He was he was up and down, I think, for most of this game, but in the end sort of really came through his experience, and um, Savvy really came through at the end of that game. Um, but I think we have to have conversations about what Oregon's supposed to be this year, and I think we have to scale back our expectations. We're, we're scaling back our expectations every single week for Oregon, and it's getting to the point where I'm like – if, if the Pac-12 were 10% better, Oregon is a 7-5 and five team. Um, if this Oregon team, if you transplanted them in, like, I don't know, 2013, this is a 7-5, and 6-6 six and six team, frankly. Uh, Oregon's bad. I, Anthony Brown is, is uh, he's struggling again. And he, Oregon's offense is very limited by what Anthony Brown can do. Um, it's not all Anthony Brown's fault. Um it's not his fault that um, Oregon is unwilling or can't or shouldn't call plays that stretch the field a bit more than they are, but it is limiting. But it is limiting to have someone like Anthony Brown um, back there. 
Travis Dye looked really good. I thought Oregon stable of running backs looked really good. I was really impressed with them. But at the end of the day, it was easy for Cal to just load up, um, load up the box and say, hey, dude, beat us downfield because we don't think you can. And he never could. Um, so I don't know. I think it's going to be very interesting for them going forward. Um, Cal gets another bounce back moral victory kind of game uh, against Oregon. Seems like that's what Oregon is for for Cal um, at this point. That's all they exist for. So um, I think we're going to learn a lot about. I think we're going to learn, learn a lot about Oregon in these next couple of weeks, particularly next week when they play UCLA. Uh, so I, um, I'm just going to fight with Carlos as much as possible here on this here podcast. <laughs> Content. Um, you brought up expected win percentages. Um, this is per Bill Connolly at ESPN underscore Bill C. Um, you should follow him. Uh, Oregon had a 90% win expectancy uh, over Cal at the end of this game. Um, they, the other remarkable one, 71% success rate when rushing the ball in this game. I don't know why this score was what it was from the Oregon side. I don't really have that much to say about it other than I just don't know what Oregon's goal is. They they do not come out of the gates looking like they are wanting to actually just overwhelm anybody. They just seem like they're there for some fresh air and exercise and oh yeah, we'll probably <laughs> win by like 7 points at the end of this thing. Like they just I there are times I think that there are times when teams come out like the 2004 USC team, like they were out there to embarrass you every single game. And frankly, I think that Oregon's talent, like separation from the rest of the conference is such that they could very much so look like that in Pac-12 play. And they don't seem to have any interest whatsoever in doing that. Um, It's really, really weird to me. My biggest disappointment in this game, though, is Garbers. Um this is a guy that we've been talking up for a couple years now. This is a guy that has been really effective in the games that he's played. And there are situations that are coming up in these ball games that I am really, really disappointed in the way that he's playing. Um, that goal line, uh, I mean, it felt like it lasted like 20 minutes. Um, he made an incredible play uh, where Kayvon Thibodeau is all over him and he does like that shovel pass to get the three yards for the first that down. That was awesome. On the two plays before that, though, completely misreads the defensive back um, positioning and throws like this this over the top fade when like he could have just gunned it right in the seam and it would have been a wide open touchdown, not even close. And then on the very next play on the option read has a horrible read. His running back is walking into the end zone off the edge and he pulls it and gets tackled for a three yard loss. Some of that sort of stuff where it's like this. A guy that has had as much experience as he's had as and has been as successful as he has been, those are plays where, especially in a game where where the numbers are telling you that they should not be in this game whatsoever, that you need that guy to come through for you. And and that was super, super disappointing. I, he had a couple of nice throws. He was under duress in the next, you know, after the first down on that. And so, but I just, the the, the opportunities were there and it's, Super disappointed that that didn't come through when they had the chance. Well, I think Carlos's Twitter sums it up perfectly is the whole Chase Garbers is elite. Oh, fuck. Chase Garbers isn't elite. Wait, is he good? No, he's not. It was like a roller coaster of me being like, maybe he's good. And then just complete disappointment. (laughs) It's one of the most boring games I've watched this season. I did not enjoy a second of it. Um, 
except for at the end when it looked like Cal might do exactly what Stanford did against Oregon early, oh my God. earlier this year. That <laughs> drive was like scary how similar <laughs> it was. Just Oregon doing stupid shit after stupid shit and letting a Cal team that has no business being there in a potential game tying or game winning drive. I wish they would have scored that touchdown because I was so excited to see what if Justin Wilcox would go for two, it sounded like it was trending that direction. Sadly, we didn't get to see it because Oregon remembered that talented teams that beat Ohio State shouldn't lose to one in five Cal or one in four Cal. Um, this game's just a classic example of Oregon playing to their opponent's level. There's no reason Cal should have been hanging around this long. Cal is not good. Again, Cal is bad at football. They're one of the worst teams in the conference. And Oregon already got got with Stanford, but I feel pretty confident they're going to get got again, and it's going to happen soon because Anthony Brown is just not reliable. Something I was thinking about, though, with Oregon's matchup this week against UCLA are we confident that UCLA's defensive backs are that much worse than Cal's? Because if they're, like, close at all, if I'm an Oregon fan, I'm freaked out about this upcoming game. Well, so, uh, first of all, as a fan of a non-Oregon Pac-12 team, I would just like to say I think Anthony Brown clearly is that guy. Uh, he's the rightful starter. He should continue to be the rightful starter. Uh, Experience over Anthony talent. Brown. Extend exactly. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, uh, the problem with UCLA's DBs uh, is you have to throw the ball. Like you can't throw the ball five yards to beat UCLA's DBs the way you want to. Like ASU beat them by like actually taking shots you know and they'd have guys running free or like at least intermediate throws whereas it feels like anthony brown doesn't do any of that do we know if how many passes anthony brown has attempted over 15 yards god it can't be many it cannot and it can't be a high percentage i know the complete yeah the completion he's he's chucked a bunch of them five yards over dude's heads yeah the accuracy like after 15 yards is... <laughs> it's just gone. So, like, I feel like he's not super well-equipped to take on UCLA's DBs in, a, in the way Jaden Daniels did. Like, Jaden Daniels is really good, so he torched him. But uh, Anthony Brown is less equipped to do so. Uh, Oregon was so disappointing. Nothing about that looked easy at all for anyone involved in that game. Like, there's Sicko's football that makes me excited. And then there's that, which was just depressing and sad to watch. Uh, Oregon's so lucky that Garbers missed three touchdown passes on that last drive. Like, there was the the deep ball down the sidelines, which, okay, that's not an easy pass to hit, you know. Like, that's excusable, even though the guy had five yards of separation. But then there was the other one. They were, like, on the 15-yard line. And he had a man wide the fuck open in the end zone. And he overthrew him by a mile. And it was so painful. And then uh, later he hit a guy in the hands. But it was like a really tough grab. And the guy couldn't hold on. But uh, 
offensively, Oregon desperately needs to change quarterbacks, and this is the perfect week to do it. Like you said, Avery, uh, with Washington should have started Sam Heward against UCLA. UCLA is the perfect time to start Ty Thompson. Like, there's not an easier DB matchup that you're going to have. Start Ty Thompson, and you'll win by a lot because he can throw the ball hard and far. <laughs> they won't, though, because I think I think they're very comfortable just winning the game, and they're not going to change shit up. Like, I Actually, genuinely think they're going to stick with this course. UCLA might put up points on them, too, because if, especially if Kyle Phillips is back, that'll make a huge difference. Oregon's secondary isn't good. It's not nearly as bad as UCLA's, but it's not very good. And I will say, are we sure? I just want to ask, are we sure? You all keep saying this, and I and I totally get it because I think it's a it's a I think it's a common and fair take. You all keep saying that Oregon is playing down to the level of its competition. Are we sure that that's what's happening here? Because they have not looked good in the the only game they looked good in was Ohio State. Every single game, including Stony Brook, including against who was their other um, Arizona. Arizona, I was going to say that right. no. I was gonna say, Fresno State, in every single one of those games, they were close games far, far later than they should be. At no point has Oregon this year gotten up to like a 24 nothing lead and just sat on it, right? Like that has not happened against Yeah, they're any not Arizona State in this thing. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm not convinced yeah. that this is just an issue with them playing down to the I level. feel like to we kind of just have to say that? that because of Ohio State, but go ahead, Matt. To, to give you some numbers behind that. So SP plus um, week three, they start dropping things off. That's the last time uh, they start dropping off preseason rankings and predictions. That's the last time Oregon was number one in the Pac-12. Um, since then, they have not been better than third overall. Currently, um, after week seven, they Oregon has the 38th uh, ranked offense. That's good for fourth in the Pac-12 and the 48th ranked defense. That's good for, or excuse me, 38th ranked offense is good for fifth in the Pac-12. They have the 48th ranked defense. That's good for fourth in the Pac-12 uh, per SP+. Plus. I, I agree, Carlos. I There is something here that it's not just playing down to their competition. Like, I look, Cal is bad. They should not have, like, only had a seven-point lead over Cal. But And so there's definitely something there. But yeah, especially ever since a lot of the preseason metrics and preseason prognostications have dropped off, their their metrics look very, very pedestrian. I mean, their defense is synonymous with or their offense is synonymous with Utah's in ranking. Their defense is on the same level as Washington in ranking. Like that that that's concerning. Yeah, if you're an Oregon fan, you shouldn't be content with just winning right now. You should genuinely be concerned. Lastly, let's get to our two big sicko games, one of them being the game of the century. Colorado throttled Arizona 34 to nothing, uh, handing Arizona its 18th straight loss. And it's going to get longer. Um, and giving Colorado its first conference win of the season. Meanwhile, in Pullman, Washington State pulled off its third straight win over Stanford 34 to 31. Who had the more impressive win, Washington State or Colorado, Avery? <laughs> 
I think I think the answer is Washington State. Um, <laughs> if anyone says, I don't know why I wrote this. I wrote this. I don't know why. Uh, obviously, it's Washington State. Washington like, State didn't play Arizona. Arizona, so. Arizona was playing like flag football out there. Like I don't think this is really a question. Washington State, I didn't watch this game. I wasn't able to. Um, I also flipped a coin to decide how this game would go, and it ended with me choosing Washington State. So... That's pretty cool, but Arizona scored zero points. Colorado scored a lot of points. Colorado <laughs> has a terrible, terrible offense. Like, but it's against Arizona, who like literally is a JV football team. So good for Washington State. Um, really putting up the numbers right before they fire their head coach. It's a very good look. Um, for you guys, keep it up. You can tell I did not watch this game. I so I said that I I said that they quit on Rolovich after the Utah State game. I Oops. thought that Washington State was going to absolutely crater um, into the rest of the season. I I we will talk about Rolovich at some point here, um, and then never again. Thankfully, uh, they have not. They like their coach. Um, Goodness gracious, they play hard for him. He got, I, I don't know. Um, for, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't need to try to pretend to understand that mentality uh, in a lot of people. Um, but he got a full-on Gatorade bath after this ball game. Um, but, like, I, I'm going to, like, push back on all the slander here. This is clearly Colorado, a more impressive win for Colorado. Y'all, take away the Northern Colorado game. They matched their season point total. Wow. <laughs> Previous to this Amazing. game, not include now we don't need to we don't need to talk about we don't need to talk about where those points actually came from and whether or not they were offensive or not. But other <laughs> taking off the Northern Colorado game, or Colorado had scored 34 points in all the other games. They scored 34 points against Arizona. Oh boy. Um Arizona's an FCS team. Colorado already has a transitive win through their FCS team because Northern Colorado beat Northern Arizona. I, man, like Colorado, Arizona, y'all, like, I, and now Gunnar Cruz is out for the season. Um, now down to the third string quarterback when they didn't even really have a first string level quarterback. Um, to go from if they had McLeod in there, I honestly think that this would have been an Arizona win to getting absolutely boat raced 34 to nothing. Oh boy. Um, that is, that is going to get ugly over the rest of the season. Um, let's actually just for kicks and giggles, let's go see how bad this is going to get. Arizona still has to play. Uh, they still get Washington. Washington is going to feel, I, we're going to hear about how Washington is, uh, challenging for the North half after next week that's exciting <laughs> um they get usc cal utah and then washington state and oregon state or arizona state to end the season i they might give up 50 points a game the rest of the year will they ever score more than three times in a game like will they ever get like to including field points? goals yeah including field goals like just three scores in one game it's hard to know because there is the at the end of the game people stop caring, but like Do they play Oregon State? They're so bad. They're so so bad. They don't no. play Oregon, Oregon State. I think the Oregon State might guys, be the only defense the, they might be able to score three 
field goals. The on. worst defense they play is probably USC. It nah. might be. <laughs> and, and that might, get, that might work because USC's, USC's in the Coliseum. That might work. That might That's do it. That's a good point. USC in the Coliseum is guaranteed points. The vibration. I think it was Ryan Abraham. Right. Ryan Abraham that called USC the get right game for opposing quarterbacks. <laughs> um, yeah, that that could get ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's 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 probably they have actually not scored more than nineteen points at all yet in any particular game in any single game this season. Um, and they already had who was the weakest defense they played? Northern Arizona probably, UCLA probably, and they actually looked. Not bad against UCLA, um, but that was with McLeod. Yeah, this is, yeah, that was that was with McLeod, um, and and now they're down there. Yeah, they're two starting quarterbacks. Uh, about Washington State, did not get to watch much of this game, but we're getting close to, we're getting close to having a conversation. I think about what Washington State is now. Again, they may lose their coach. I will say, Jaden Delora in his uh, interviews before this game was very supportive of Rolovich. Um, he was defending him pretty pretty rigorously. And frankly, I think, I mean, here's the thing about the Nick Rolovich thing, and I don't want to talk about this too, too much, but Nick Rolovich being in that position to influence young men and to do what he has done, that's the most problematic thing about all of this, is that um, he's literally, he is contaminating those kids' minds with some bullshit. Um, but aside from all of that, um, Washington State has actually looked pretty decent. Um, they have won three uh, three games in a row at this point. Um, they should be. I, I I I would be very curious to know. You know, they're one one of their are how many conference losses? They have two conference losses, I think. If I'm looking at this correctly, yeah, they lost to USC Utah and, and USC. Utah. I I would be curious, Utah? and I know I Utah. know you all are gonna hate me so much for this. But what would happen if Jaden? What would have happened if Jaden Delora played in that game versus Jared Garantano? No hate um, there. That's a Utah loss for no, sure. I uh, genuinely think Utah would have been in a very bad position in that game. You know um, that and, we won by a pick six. Yeah. So De- Delora kicked Utah's ass last year. Delora, he's Delora's good. good. Jaden Delora's good. He had an amazing I game. Have no idea how Garantano was the starter coming into this year because Delora was good last year. Like the DUI, I think the that's DUI probably situation. what it was. Ah. Yeah, we were we were lesson teaching. Yeah, <laughs> or, or, <laughs> of all people, of all people Rolovich. to suddenly have values. <laughs> uh, for me, with those two games, I think Wazoo's was definitely more impressive because they weren't playing Arizona. But uh, <laughs> with with the uh, Arizona Colorado game, that game, those two teams are closer than the score indicates. All right, they are much closer than that. Before the blocked punt, it was 6-0. Colorado definitely looked like the better team. They did not look like they were 35 points better than uh, than Arizona. I feel the need to acknowledge that 6-0 is a way di- bigger difference than 21 to 20, 27-21. Like, being up 6 when Arizona has no points is a way bigger gap. Because as we know, Arizona didn't score the entire game. Yeah, like so Colorado, it wasn't is a close the game. Better team, Colorado is definitely the better team, but they weren't that much better. Like their offense well, was their only defense. marginally better than Arizona. Yeah, their defense was by they far the best unit on the field. They have a great defense. 
But their offense is only marginally better than Arizona's, and it only started scoring at the end because Arizona gave up. Like, their offense isn't good. It's it's still just as bad as it was. That's why it's so amazing that they put up 35 points, <laughs> Yeah. 35 points, despite that offense. Um, Interesting stat of the Washington State game. Y'all, they forced two more fumbles in this game. There is something with it. They have forced 12 fumbles this season. Well, they, they forced a lot and against Utah. <laughs> and that's yeah. undercounting Utah by 30. Yeah, like that. <laughs> that It is. They, they seriously, I, they go for the ball, and it works. It's, it's interesting. All right. Anything else about those games? Okay. Well, let's move on. That's it for this week's games. Let's take a look at our podcast rankings where we ask podcasts from around the Pac-12 to rank the teams. Special thanks to our voters this week at Utah Man Podcast, Gate 13, All We Hear is Purple, Trojans Wired, and the Pac- the Quack 12 podcast. And of course, ourselves, again, weighted by five, by a metric of five. Um, to start this one off, this day. It feel like it kind of moved, but it didn't really move that much. Uh, Arizona um, ranked at number 12. Uh, this is just going to be the Arizona spot until further notice. Colorado at 11. Cal at number 3. Don't know that I see any of those three changing the rest of the season. Um, Washington comes in at 9, and then USC at 8. Stanford at 7. Washington State got the bump up to 6. And then Oregon State at 5. Arizona State falls from number 1 to number 4. UCLA at three, Utah at number two, avoiding the curse of the number one spot, which is Oregon. Congratulations, UCLA this week. Any thoughts on these? Um, I think uh, Arizona State should be above UCLA, but I know I that's with not that how these point systems work usually. So, yeah, I don't. Who was putting UCLA above Arizona State? That feels weird to me. Uh, we saw those teams play in Arizona. Probably the their, Washington Arizona State fans. Their asses. Yeah. <laughs> That, uh, I think yeah, Utah should have no. a number one also because Oregon looks terrible and Utah has a better win than anyone else in the conference, in conference, so. All right, well, it's time to pick this week's games. Stanford and Arizona State are off this week, licking wounds, uh, but we still have six Pac-12 games this week. The slate starts with Washington traveling to Tucson to play Arizona on Friday night at 7.30 Pacific, 8.30 Mountain. Washington is a 15.5 point favorite. Carlos, who wins? Who covers? We just got done saying how bad a position that Arizona is in. Washington should. Washington needs to cover. It needs to bounce back here and cover. I think they do. Um, give me Washington by a lot. Maybe three scores. Yeah, big Washington win here. Very excited to hear about them challenging for the North now very excited yeah if McLeod was in this game I would genuinely be concerned for Washington but he's not and neither is Cruz um it's gonna be Plummer so Washington's gonna win by a lot I don't think I don't think Arizona even scores this game yep Washington by a ton I'm gonna be betting against Arizona every week for the rest of the season get that money uh, Saturday, 12.30 p.m. Pacific, 1.30 Mountain. Um, Colorado travels to Berkeley to play Cal. Cal is a 9.5-point favorite. Greg, who wins two covers? 9.5 feels like a lot of points. 
However, I'm getting back to the principle of betting against Colorado every week, so I'm taking Cal to win and cover. I think that every time I've picked Cal this year, I think I've been wrong. Um, I, I'm going to pick Cal. I don't think they cover, though. I think this has some, some weirdness involved in this game. Yeah, I don't know what to think about this. Colorado's defense may actually be just fine. You know, it's like, okay, an actual competent defense in the Pac-12. Um, I'm going to say Colorado covers this. I think maybe this is a nice bounce back, you know, uh, bounce back game for Colorado. I mean, they just won, but, you know, something to sort of get them on a different trajectory rather than the basement. So uh, I'm going to say Colorado covers, but Cal, I think, ultimately wins. I think Colorado's going to cover by a defensive touchdown, um, but I don't think they win. I think Cal's going to win. I'm not going to let them scoring 34 points on Arizona trick me into thinking Colorado's offense is competent by any means. They're not. Chase Garbers is much better than whatever the hell is going on in Boulder, so I definitely think Cal's going to win, but Colorado's going to cover. Cal one and one when we have all picked Cal this season. We'll see what how that goes. Um, Saturday, same time at 12:30 Pacific, uh, 1:30 Mountain. Oregon is traveling to Pasadena to play UCLA in our first and maybe only college game day uh, game of the Pac-12 slate. Although game day won't actually be at the Rose Bowl, is that right, Carlos? Yes, they will be on campus on UCLA's campus. Well, because we gotta make sure we. It, it's all about education. We're, we're student athletes <laughs> first here. Um, UCLA is a one and a half point favorite at home. Avery, who you got? All right, this is my bad vibes game of the week. I was, to who? I was thinking about who this a lot. Who gets the vibes? I was thinking about this a lot, and it is a big game. It's on game day. But holy shit, Oregon has looked so bad, especially in the passing game. And their rushing games looked great. UCLA has, I think, the best rushing defense in the conference. They have looked amazing up front. And I think they're going to force Brown to throw the ball. And I don't think that Cal's defensive backs were that much better than UCLA's. And like Greg was saying, to really challenge UCLA's defensive backs, you have to take the downfield shots. And I don't think Brown's capable of that. Mario Cristobal is a terrible in-game coach. He cannot control the clock. I don't think Chip Kelly's great either, but it is at home. Um, and I I really do think UCLA is going to sneak away with this one. And I, I'm very excited to see. I think it's going to be depend on if DTR has a good game or not. So UCLA being a favorite is kind of weird. Is that right? UCLA is a one and a half point favorite over Oregon? That's right. Yeah, yeah. UCLA a one point, one and a half point home favorite. I'm ignoring that because Oregon's ranked Everyone, yeah. way high. Oregon feels like they're the favorite even though they're not, you know? But I'm still saying that Oregon has some terrible vibes. They should win this game. And I think UCLA is going to cover. All right. Well, I've gone against the vibes all year long, so Oregon's. Gonna, I'm picking Oregon to kill them. Um, at least two touchdown game here, Carlos. Yeah, I think I'm gonna pick UCLA here. I think that a lot of the Pac-12, every single Pac-12 th- team, I think has some serious flaw. 
Um, this is going to be all about matchups from here on out for every single Pac-12 game, and this feels like a big matchup game. Uh, Oregon's pass game is not good, and I think UCLA secondary is also not good, but they should be able to take advantage of what Anthony Brown is sort of limited by. So I'm going to say Oregon. Um, UCLA does actually have, statistically, just by rush yards a game, the best rush defense in the conference. This will be tested against, I think, a really good running Oregon team, so we will see. You, you picked UCLA, right? But I picked UCLA, okay. yeah. Uh, for me, I want to pick UCLA so badly, but ultimately, the fact that game day is there is swaying me. Mario gets those boys up for big games, so I'm picking Oregon to win and obviously cover. Do you all know? Okay, uh, I'm not sure if you all have been to game day, but this game is going to be on campus, and I just have to say, I've been to game day once. Uh, for a basketball game, actually at UCLA, really? it's a fucking horrible experience. Why? Who does? Like, why? Because they want to be thing? on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that's it's a horrible it experience. You okay. agree? It's a horrible experience. It I it's very sound important like to a say. A ton of fun, but you get to say that you were there. You know. Exactly. You get to say that you were there, and like, it's kind of fun to just talk with people who are there. Like, the actual game day part of it isn't fun. It's just the stuff you do surrounding it. Like I know There's also a, fact- a very big difference between game day on the West Coast where you have to show up at like six in the morning and then you're waiting until an 8 p.m. kick for your football game. Like it is a horrible way to spend a Saturday versus like your East Coast. You just show up at, at 8 a.m. and then you hang out for an hour before your game kicks at one o'clock. Like yeah. it's very, very different experience between those two things. That's a fair point. I did have to get up at 4 a.m. for this stupid fucking game day between UCLA and Arizona in like 2012 or 2013. Well, that's why you got to camp out the night before. What are you doing? Horrific. Horrific. Sleep why do we Utah, do If Utah had a game day, I would camp out for it. I would hate every second of it. But the one moment I was on TV would make up for it. Yeah, because you're vain. That. Yeah. <laughs> you're on TV like all the time. I know. Like you're it. so, yes. <laughs> I you enjoy it. Have a we should start that at Grapes Watch, <laughs> and then people can send screenshots of me. Oh, oh, even more attention on Avery. <laughs> How do we get more attention on Avery? <laughs> All right. Another game at 1230 Pacific, 130 Mountain. BYU is traveling to Pullman to play a red-hot Washington State team. Possibly with an interim coach. I'm going to say definitely with an interim coach, um, if you are reading the quotes there. BYU is a one-point road favorite. Greg, how do you see this one going? I hate that this... I don't want to talk about BYU anymore. I'm sick of them, all right? Can we just let them... But they're playing Washington State. I hate that this game is happening, and I've been wrong in both the BYU... Well, actually, I'm one and two in games uh where byu plays the pac-12 uh fuck it i'm taking washington state Jaden delara please 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 don't let me down yeah um byu has lost uh each of the last two weeks their their depth is really showing i i can't tell if washington state is going to be demoralized though oh yeah fuck it by rolovich not being there i i really I, I think that the line is actually really good on this game because otherwise, if Rolovich was still going to be there, I think Washington wins by two scores. Um, or Washington State. I'm going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Wazoo. I, I'm I'm picking Wazoo in this one. I I think I think BYU is running out of a practice squad right now. 
Yeah, I'm gonna pick Washington State here. BYU is um, pick, pick as BYU, under- Carlos. Pick BYU uh, Carlos, every time please. you pick against Carlos, BYU. Please. Every time you pick against the Pac-12. I mean, every time you pick the Pac-12 against BYU, BYU wins. So just like, yeah, I'm, yeah it's your fault, not <laughs> ours. Thinking, I, I, out of principle, <laughs> um, I'm picking Washington State. Um, yeah, the uh, the anti-vaxxers versus the homophobes. I'm rooting for the meteor, but uh, I do think Washington State, Wait, Washington State, Holman's a great BYU. place for it too. Just get, all, get rid of all and of nothing, it, and nothing, and nothing like nothing would change. You know, everyone would just go on about their day. <laughs> yeah um hill uh who what am i saying hill hall sorry hall jaron hall byu's quarterback is battling injuries right now so he can't even use his legs which is his best ability um and they're traveling to pullman i feel like if byu had their home field advantage because their crowd is weirdly loud and i hate it so much they would genuinely have a pretty good shot here but since they're traveling to Pullman they're battling so many injuries and Jaden Delora has been looking decent I think BYU's third stringers won't be able to do shit against Washington State so Washington State's gonna win this game all right is anyone gonna Uh, be watching that game like who the fuck's gonna be watching that game everybody's gonna be watching Oregon UCLA right I hope so yeah we'll see I don't know. Oh, I'll it'll get a screen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, finally, uh, so moving on to um, the the early night uh, this week at 4.30 Pacific, 5.30 Mountain, Utah is traveling to the graveyard uh, in Corvallis to play Oregon State. Utah is a three and a half point road favorite. Carlos? Uh, this one's going to be interesting. I don't think that um, if I had to rank the Pac-12 running games, it would be Arizona State number two and Air- or an Oregon State. I don't know. Arizona State maybe number number two, Oregon State number one. Um, so this, I think, will be the best run game that Utah will play. They've also got UCLA, but I'd put them at three, given what they look like against Arizona State. Um, and Oregon State's defense doesn't look so good. I'm going to go with you. Uh, I'm going to go with Oregon State. I think Oregon State pulls it out. It is the graveyard. It is Corvallis. It could get weird. It's not late at night, though, so that's going against it. This really should have been the bad vibes game of the week, but I think uh, Grapes is contractually obligated not to do that. So Utah's not ranked, so that helps the vibes. Yeah, nor ranked number one in our in our ranking here. Um, I am going with Utah uh, purely on Oregon State's defense is – by like a, an entirely different league, the worst unit on the field. So I think um, Utah will be able to score with whatever Oregon State's run uh, offense is able to do. Yeah, if Utah ended up in the AP poll this week, which I think they should have, I definitely would have been considering this as the bad vibes game of the week because it is the graveyard. But also Utah has never lost in the graveyard when they're ranked. So I don't think that matters that much, and it's not late at night. So Utah's going to win this game. They're going to cover. They're going to show their offense off, especially after beating what I think was considered at the time the best defense in the conference in ASU. So I don't think Jonathan Smith's running game, as good as it is, is going to be able to make up for all the other issues that the team has. One quick one quick question before we get Greg's pick. Where would you all, in the conference, just in the Pac-12, where do you all think Oregon State ranks in average yards allowed a game? Average, I, average yards? Average yards. 
God, imagine using total yards. No, yards allowed. Oh. Yards allowed. Yeah. Okay. I think they're probably like, I think they're probably like sixth. I'd bet they're top half, yeah. Yeah, they're sixth. They're also top six in points. Uh, I watched the I games, Carlos. I'm a bigger Oregon State fan yeah, than no, anyone good here. Good job. No, you did a good, you did a good job. I know impressive. my shit. They're also number, they also lead the conference. They're tied in the lead for the conference in interceptions. We talk about EPA and you're trying to trick this us with This is my first time idiot. picking against Oregon State, by the way. Just telling you. Go ahead, go ahead, Greg. Uh, I'm going to pick Utah to win and win big because I don't know if Oregon State's going to get more than one or two stops, and I do think Utah will get a few. Like, it's just Oregon State's defense is so bad, like Matt said. You also can't be a one-dimensional team up against a Utah defense. It just is not going to go well for you. Yeah. Uh, two best nicknames in the conference going in this game. Hashtag ThickBoy7 against the Beavlet. Uh, very excited for that um, college game day special that should be coming out. Um, I'll get on. To, I'll get the uh, the timeout to you. Um, and finally, also at four thirty Pacific, five thirty Mountain, uh, USC is traveling to Indiana to play Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame is a six and a half point favorite in our Sickos game of the week. Uh, before we get to uh, our picks in this one, uh, this is I. Two teams. I don't think that Notre Dame season is necessarily done, but they are looking way better. I don't watch truck stop football. This is truck stop <laughs> football. Um, don't watch this. I don't even think I'm going to watch this. Avery, who yeah. you got on your pick? <laughs> I don't care what the spread is. USC is losing, and USC is losing by a lot. Notre Dame is going to cover. There's no way USC looks good. Drake London. Excellent. Drake London will look fantastic out there as per usual, but the rest of USC will look bad. I'm sure I also won't be watching this game. So all of you that enjoy truck stops football, have fun with this one. Yeah, I am also anti truck stop. However, the truck stop is going to absolutely roll. Uh, Notre Dame will be, will win big in this one. Um, interesting stat. USC, I mean, not an interesting stat, but interesting. Total has, yards? No, USC has <laughs> not lost uh, on the road. And have they gone fact, across the country yet? Uh, no. I mean, Washington <laughs> State might as well be another country. Um, US, USC has also been doing the win-loss thing. They've, yeah, they've been yeah, going yeah. win-loss, win-loss. Oh, boy. I don't know. Notre Dame is one of those teams that's just like the way they play is not uh, – doesn't, like, impress anyone. I'm going to go with USC. I think USC wins this game somehow. Um, I, I just I just think they're going to figure it out. They shouldn't. That wouldn't make sense if they did. I do think they are going to win, though. Um, Carlos really flexing yard. his – Carlos really flexing his I only watch Pac-12 football wings right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't – yeah, I don't – I have – I don't care about Notre Dame at all. Didn't want to say, followed up on the yards per play, Greg. Oregon State is sixth in the Pac-12 in yards per play. Now, that's much more impressive than being sixth in total yards. Okay. And you guys yeah, would know same. that if you watched okay. Oregon State games. <laughs> same, but okay. <laughs> not the same they're not even close to the they're, same they're but, literally uh, ranked the same but okay continue oh that's what you meant okay yes, yes. Uh, uh but yeah i think notre dame's gonna win and win big the only part of this game i'll be watching is drake london's half highlights afterwards because i'm sure they'll be great uh, <laughs> uh yeah, yeah I don't, will I don't they be great them. in a win no no they, I, I said at the beginning notre dame's gonna win. who's right. covering yeah. oh, okay notre dame wasn't is. listening all right 
Well, that's it for us on the football side. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Truck Stops Pod and email us your questions and complaints at No Truck Stops Podcast at gmail.com so we can ignore Carlos when they come through. For Carlos at Equity Bruin, Avery at Brave Grapes, and Greg at Banana Morphs, I'm Matt at Matt Niber. Uh, I'm the one single one that is an adult in this list. Uh, remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. He thick. I'm lonelier than a single sax on a quiet